podcast where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. My name is Nathan, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Donnie and Sawyer. And unfortunately, uh, Heidi it was not able to join us today, uh, which is really unfortunate because today we are talking about a movie uh, called Turning Red, which is available on Disney Plus, which is a movie about a 13-year-old girl named Mei Lin, uh, who turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited. And uh, this movie is a really has a lot of themes around uh, teenage, uh, you know, becoming a, a teenager, puberty adolescence, growing up, family relationships, all that kind of stuff. And it really centers around a young woman uh, kind of coming of age, uh, becoming a woman. And uh, we only have three dudes on here to talk about it, but that's okay uh, because we're going to do the best. Because honestly, this movie, I think, applies to both parents, children, boys and girls. There's a lot to have conversations about. But before we get into that, Donnie, why don't you explain what we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and some shared experiences that will help you build stronger relationships. And, you know, like we think that movie nights are just a great opportunity to do that. You know, like. It's not just a shared opportunity where we're we're all laughing together, um, maybe even experiencing like fear and sadness together. But, you know, movies give us this chance, uh, this opportunity to talk about what matters um, and, and like create memories with our kids. You know, and on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies that you could watch on your monthly movie night, but but even giving you guys some ideas of like meaningful conversations that you can have with your kids during or or especially after the movie. And we actually want to hear from you. So in the description, you'll see a link to a form called What We're Missing. So if you have a movie that you want us to cover, you can put that in there. Just the last week, we had a listener recommendation right here on the podcast. You can do that. Or if in a movie like this where you feel like, man, y'all should have really had a female perspective on that. If you're a mom and you want to tell us, uh, what you think we missed in this conversation today. Let us know. We'll talk about it in a future podcast. Uh, or if you just have a comment or a question, you can let us know. We want to know who's out there. We want to be able to serve you better. So just stop by to say, hey, uh, but right now, uh, let's have a conversation about this movie. This is Turning Red. It has become very popular, also very controversial uh, in some circles uh, because of some of the content. We're going to talk about all of that on here. But first, we just want to know um, Sawyer, what did you think of this movie just from an, an enjoyment uh, standpoint? Do you think families and kids are going to get a kick out of this movie? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, and, I, and I would recommend this movie instantly to families and kids. Um, personally, it wasn't my favorite Pixar movie. So I, I think like, you know, the older you are, the more context you have with Pixar. And so like, as far as Pixar movies go, this is kind of par for the course. You know, it's not Toy Story. It's not Finding Nemo. It's not The Incredibles. That being said, all right, hold on. I just, course, we got to throw this out there. It is definitely better than Finding Nemo. Oh, oh, I, oh, goodness. Cars you 2 are, might be better than Finding Nemo. 
Oh my goodness. But Nathan coming in with the hot takes once again. Yes. Nathan <laughs> is just trying to blow up this podcast. It's a, it's no longer about turning red. We're only going to debate the merit of the movie finding Nemo now, but uh, <laughs> no, um, it's, it, you know, the thing is par for the course for a Pixar movie is still really good. That's, that's my point that I'm trying to make. Um, this movie's pretty dang good. Um, and it's really funny. Like the, the humor is really on point here. Um, and also the, the, uh, the characters, and we're going to talk a lot more about what I'm hinting at right now, uh, in a minute, but the, the characters are just very fun and relatable. Um, especially like her, her clique that she hangs out with. Um, they're all very good characters, really, really enjoyed them. And finally, I do want to mention just cause we're talking about an animation movie. I, what I, maybe the biggest thing, like from an artistic standpoint that I admire the most, it doesn't feel like a Pixar movie in terms of its animation style, um, which I really, really liked. So, yep. yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. Donnie, what, what are your thoughts about this movie? Especially you got young kids. Did your kids watch this with you? Not yet, because, you know, like, I was like, I want to see what I'm going to have to prepare myself for in this conversation. Sure. <laughs> so, so I, uh, after watching it, I thought it was a really good movie. I think it did a really good job of, like, being able to, like communicate a lot of different topics over a very um i'd say short period of time but i think the movie ran about two hours um roughly but it was you know it was enjoyable i think families are will enjoy it um kind of going with Sawyer was saying i think the animation is really good and it does like it doesn't go back to the pixar style but in a, in a very good way yeah well, so I also really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think it uh, everyone's more than it. Finding Nemo. He enjoyed it more than Finding Nemo. Everyone, I, I probably almost everything more than Finding Nemo. Uh, I did not enjoy Finding Dory more than Finding Nemo. It's pretty bad, but <laughs> the rest of them, uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I think it's a very fun uh, movie. Uh, the animation, we already talked about this. It is um, really exciting, uh, very fast-paced. Um, you know, Donnie said uh, about the time, it is only an hour and 40 minutes, and it's a little shorter than that uh, if you take credits out. Yeah. Uh, but I would stay for the credits because uh, the, the pop songs that are written for this movie are written by uh, co-written by Billie Eilish. And uh, they do not sound like Billie Eilish songs, but they're pretty darn good songs. Uh, I'll say this, my, uh, we watched it twice. We watched it the, the weekend it came out. Then we watched it again this week in preparation to talk about it. And uh, my girls uh, were, are, are already doing a dance to never met nobody like you. And they're all they've got they've already got a little choreographed dance. And so that's what I'll say is really fun about this is I can see uh, both girls and boys loving this uh, mm -hmm. because there's there's a lot of action for for the boys, uh, you know, but this movie, maybe the closest thing since uh, like a, a Miyazaki Ghibli movie, like we've talked about, really understands female girl, you know, kind of young girl relationships. My wife watched this and this movie takes place in 2002 and uh, I was 13 in 2002, so I can kind of feel uh, my wife and I were we were right that age. And this very much feels like that period. It understands that period. My my uh, wife was talking about how the conversations the teenage girls would have about everything from boys to music to, you know, parents felt like things that she had said to her friends at some point. Um, so I think it really understands that relationship, obviously not the giant red panda parts, but I think, <laughs> I think, uh, the rest of it. Yeah. 
And so, uh, and I also think this movie does a really good job of, of handling conversations around uh, uh, growing up and your body changing and your emotions and your inner life changing and what it's like to start recognizing, you know, if you're a girl, start recognizing boys, recognizing people of the opposite sex, rec- you know, kind of having all of that kind of how it, when it all comes about at once, it, it can be a little traumatic for a kid because that's a lot of stuff happening all at once. Um, and I, have we said this yet? Th- this movie is hilarious. Like, oh, yeah. funnier than any Pixar movie I can remember. I don't think I can think of a, a Pixar. Pixar, I love Pixar, but what I'll say about them is I do not think of them as historically very funny animated movies. Yeah, uh, usually, usually when I'm watching them, like it's like I'm engaged and I'm watching what's going on, but yeah. I very rarely like laugh out loud where I'm yes. like, like I have to kind of pause. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. There's a <laughs> I, scene in this. Uh, what were you going to say, Sawyer? I, I was just going to say, I would say at least since Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 was an exceptionally funny Pixar movie. Um, and this movie is up there with Toy Story 4, just in terms of its comedic chops. Yeah. And it's definitely funnier than Finding Nemo. So, uh, so uh, anyway, there's a scene in this movie where the young girl like has like this experience where she all of her friends are talking about boys And like, you know, they're like, oh, this boy's cuter, this boy's whatever. And she hasn't had that experience yet. She hasn't kind of started to see boys in a romantic way. And as she's kind of drawing these pictures, she suddenly starts to kind of go, oh, and kind of starts to see boys in a very romantic light and then draws all these pictures about this boy. And her mom finds the pictures and thinks that it means there's been some experience between this girl and this teenage boy and uh, confronts him in public and when she slams down the pictures i laughed out as loud at this this mermaid <laughs> picture that had been drawn of this boy <laughs> i bet i laughed out at that more than anything else and one of my girls and this is one of those moments i think for parents that just from an enjoyment standards once everyone in our household is laughing uh, which we've got kids who understand humor at all different levels, but they all understood why that was funny. And my oldest daughter, who's kind of beginning the stages of, you know, entering into teenagehood and all of that, she's already in the double digit. She's 10. Uh, she looked at me and said, if you ever do that to me, you know, <laughs> so it's great. It's these little moments that you get. And I think this movie really facilitates that. Now we're all saying you should watch this movie. We're all saying it's great. I think it's good for all ages um, because, I, and this is the part I want to get to. Um, this movie, so I watched this with all of my kids. This movie does deal with some things that I think most parents want to put off conversations about. Things regarding puberty, uh, because this is a, a female going through puberty. There are conversations about periods and all of that that are in this. Um, there are some conversations about, uh, not, I don't want to say conversations about sexuality, but there are certainly um, the idea of introducing into, for a child, the idea of seeing people of the opposite sex as romantic interest and seeing them as more than just friends. All of that is kind of brought out in this movie. Um, But it is done so in a way that once again, I have, I had a five-year-old and a seven-year-old that watched this movie and they found it enjoyable. They understand their understanding of everything was, Oh, she's becoming a teenager. And Oh, uh, she now finds boys cute. Like all of that. So I think it was all appropriate, but there's some controversy around this movie uh, that has kind of come up online. Um, and I'll just say it because we are a church. Uh, it has been some Christians that have made a big stink about this movie. And in particular, the the stink that I've heard and that I've read around this movie is that this movie endorses uh, rebellion because the the overall plot around this movie is that uh, these teenage girls who are 
this May Lynn, who is turning into a panda, that's kind of her metaphor of uh, going through puberty, going through teenager, is whenever she gets too emotional or too excited or too overwhelmed, this giant red panda, she transforms into a giant red panda. Um, Her mom wants to keep her kind of locked up until they deal with it. Uh, But she wants to sneak out with her friends to go to this concert of this boy band. Um, And the controversy I've seen around the movie has been um, that the movie is endorsing kids to sneak out and to uh, rebel against their parents and all of those kind of things. Uh, Donnie's already making faces. So Donnie, do you think that's what this movie is doing? Not even close. Cause if that's the case and home alone should have made me want to create <laughs> contraptions in my house and drop things off of the roof. But yes. I never did any of those things. <laughs> I don't know, Donnie. I don't know, Donnie. I've been to your house and I left with a I cracked skull. <laughs> it was one time and it was an accident. You should have you should have been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sawyer, we talked a little bit about before we started filming, but um why do you think that that in way of reading this movie is kind of a misinterpretation of how you even should read the movie? Well, I, you know, the movie, okay. The movie is centered around this girl who, and it follows her experiences. Okay. And by the way, just so you know, like a teenager's life is relatively rebellion centric. They want to do the contrarian thing, whether you're the person telling them to do something or their teachers are, they want to do the opposite. Okay. So this movie is simply being honest from that perspective, but I don't even think that's what the movie is like all about. Okay. Um, I'm just saying that the movie's not wrong for, for being, for taking that position. Okay. Where I think like I, I come down hardest is, you know, she develops the whole point of a movie is that you have a character in one place. Okay. The opening line of dialogue from our main character is she's telling kind of how she was raised, how it's all about honoring your parents and finding opportunities to honor yourself. And then she literally says, and I don't care about that. Okay. About honoring her parents. Okay. The whole movie is about taking her from this spot and taking her to a spot where she does honor her parents. That's what the whole movie is about, okay? It's about her, she has a fractured relationship with her mom, if we're gonna get into all the the nitty gritty details, okay? At the beginning of the movie, it's a- Let's not get into all the details yet, because I just just wanna deal with this particular thing, and I think you've done a good job of that, of saying, go ahead, Donnie. There's another part, like kind of going into, if, if as a parent, there's that naivety of thinking that your kids aren't trying to elusively find ways to learn about the world around them, then that means you haven't developed enough of a relationship and a communication style with your child to understand. Like just be, I think a lot of parents get lost in the idea of thinking that when a kid sees this, that means they're going to act on it. They're going to, Oh, I'm going to go climb out a window. I'm going to go escape and I go do all these things. This is just representing a small proportion of what some teenagers decide they want to do as a way of rebelling or finding their selves and things like that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're going to do it. It yeah. simply means that it's a small perspective. And I think parents that are getting so upset about that, it's because they want to believe that their kids don't think that way and that their kids have never had that thought. Yeah. But if you're having a conversation and you have a relationship with your child, you don't have to worry about those things. But if you have a relationship where you're still in the stage, especially at the age of 13, 
where you're still trying to control them rather than having influence over them, then that's a different conversation that you need to have. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a moment. So I just want to kind of wrap up where we sit on the controversy, because I know a lot of parents have said they're not even going to watch the movie. And in the end, if you still choose not to watch the movie, I, I'm not trying to say that you're doing a bad job by not watching yeah. the movie. What I want to make clear is, and I think both Donnie and, and Sawyer have hit on this, is that uh, the reason we started this podcast was that we believe movies are are the be, are the beginning of a conversation with your kids, that movies and art they are uh, their their job and some movies do push an agenda. I'm not saying that they don't, but their job, good arts job is not to push an agenda. It's to ask questions. It's to kind of raise. Um, and this movie begins the, the movie with saying, is it possible for me to honor my parents and their wishes of the kind of person that they want me to be? So this is a girl who feels lots of pressure to be a certain kind of way from her parents. Can I honor that? And then she says, and honor myself. Now, we know that there should be a, a bigger question as believers is how do I honor God above all of that? Uh -huh. um, but this movie is not going to introduce that. So our job as Christian parents is to watch these movies, engage with the questions they are raising. Yep. Right. And then introduce a level that the movie's not going to, which is how do I honor God? What does God think about honoring parents? Well, we know that God wants us to honor our parents, but does honoring my parents mean I become the exact version, the exact career, the, I date the exact person, I have the exact friends, I dress the exact way, I think the exact ways that is that they want me to. Is yeah. that what it means to honor my parents? And I do think this movie is a really good starting place. Yeah. And really where this movie is, and this is where we'll get to kind of the bigger themes of this movie, is this movie is about that puberty, uh, adolescence, being a teenager is a messy time in life. Absolutely. It is a messy time uh, because there's a lot of changes. And this movie kind of addresses a bunch of those. You take a kid who for most of their life has been focused on pleasing their parents. And, and being a good kid, they don't really have a ton of rebellious thoughts. They want to follow the rules. They haven't yet probably noticed the opposite sex. Those thoughts aren't entering their head. Um, and then suddenly their body is changing, and that's scary. Their emotions are changing because they have hormones, and they're having these emotional outbursts that they've never had before, things like rage that they've never felt before, yeah. right? Suddenly they have these kind of thoughts about girls and boys, you know, and all those things are kind of entering their mind. And then at the same time, they're having rebellious thoughts. They're starting to question their parents. Are my parents right about everything? Should I always follow their rules? And what often happens is what, what is happening here, and this is a God-given thing, they are trying to differentiate themselves, which means to say, I am a person who has different thoughts and different ideas than my mom and my dad and the rest of my family. And what happens often unfortunately in our culture is then families end up separating over that because someone pulls away and then says so i if we don't have the same thoughts or we don't like the same things then we can't be together but what we want to be able to have and i think this movie does a good job at least of introducing the conversation i don't think where this movie lands with everything is the exact right way but that's your job as a parent to have those conversations and so donnie you were having some conversations earlier when we were before we started filming about how do we help our kids understand this differentiation process of we may not always agree, but we love each other? And how can parents kind of deal with that? Because it's a scary time as a parent. Yeah. So like and in that idea of like the differentiation, like, this, of course, you like you watch this this character, Maylin and her mother have this communication where it seems like she's just wanting to follow the rules and all these things. But you also see Maylin slowly 
learning that she wants to do more things that are not like what her mother wants to do. Like she doesn't want to always be working. She wants to be with her friends and have more fun and things like that. And I think a lot of time as a parent, we want so much for our child, a lot of times more for them than we ever had, that sometimes we will go into the aspect of controlling rather than being an influence. Yeah. Because the idea is that in order to differentiate ourselves is like when, when our, when our child is growing up, they're going to do things that are different than what we would have done. And that's because they are, you know, and a lot of parents, I think, forget this is that they're little humans. As they're getting older, they're humans still. I'm, they're I'm not sorry. Robots. I don't understand that. Humans. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're humans. They're humans. Oh, wow. Okay. They're, they're right. not just robots that you, you tell them to do something and they compute and go, I will not disobey. They yeah. are humans with feelings and emotions and they're trying to understand them. And like they've only had the amount of time that they've existed on this earth at that point, 13 years, which is not a lot because in 13 years I've made mistakes and I've gotten things wrong and then I've fixed those mistakes. But I think that's the hardest part, I think, as a parent is that remembering that, okay, when my child is trying to learn things, it is not my job to corral them back so they do exactly what I what I say. But we do a good job of communicating and making sure that we create a safe space and a safe environment for them to grow. We yeah. don't have to stop their growth. We can just give them a safe environment for that growth, meaning that they have people they can talk to about questions they have meaning that they can have a safe space to have conversations that may be uncomfortable because I think we avoid that uncomfortable conversation because if we, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we don't have the perfect answer and we're, we're afraid that making that one wrong decision or wrong, wrong statement is going to lose that child. But if that's the case, then we have a lot deeper conversations to have or need to have with our kids as they're growing. It's like, when my kid starts going, hey, I like, you know, I'm starting to catch feelings like, OK, cool. So what how does it make you feel like give them have conversations, help them understand these emotions. Yeah. You had someone to get you there. Why not give them that the same tools? Like we're not there just to tell them what to do. We're there to give them tools and equip them to be able to make wise decisions and do it in a world that may not always give them options that are making it the best or the easiest way to be wise. Well, and I think, Donnie, what you're talking about, and we've talked, I don't know, we've talked about it on this podcast. I know we've talked about it in church, and I know we've talked about it on, on our other podcast, but it's this idea that when your kids are young, uh, this isn't to say to a two year old, like, go off and do whatever you want to do, no. right? When the kids are young, you are in a control environment, you are in a protect environment that your kids have to have really clear boundaries, really clear, clear rules. You always respect mommy and daddy. The, because I said so is an okay thing to say to a five year old because yeah. they can't understand all the reasons. We're talking about when a kid becomes 12, 13, 14, they're, they're starting to kind of enter into those teenage years. And now suddenly they've got all these activities you're not necessarily a part of. They have these friend groups you're not necessarily a part of. They have these other influences at school or at work or at other things. Instead of that being a thing that scares you. And here's the part I think that's really important about this movie and the way you can have a conversation. It scares them too. Yeah. Maybe not at 16, but it does at 10. It does it. It does it seven. Does it eight? I regularly have conversations with my kids about them being scared about growing up because suddenly they I said, 
are you sometimes, I had to say this to one of my daughters, they were being a little disrespectful one day. Shocking. Kids can be disrespectful. They've been disrespectful. And I sat them down and I said, listen to me. I said, it is okay with me that you don't agree with me. It is okay with me that you think my rule is stupid. It is okay with me if you want to tell me that you think I'm wrong. That is perfect. You can always come tell me. And the way I said to him is, but you have to do it in a respectful way. I don't want you rolling your eyes. I don't want you saying, God, you're so stupid. I said, because I need you to understand that the way we are going to speak to each other and the way you're going to speak to your husband one day and the way you're going to speak to your, your boss one day, the way you're going to speak to your friend one day, you can't go around disrespecting people. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you're, they're your mom or a boss. It doesn't matter whether you're your husband or a friend. You are not going to be able to have relationships. And that's the, the part I think that's having those conversations of, it's okay to question me. You're starting to question. See, see rebellion as less of, hey, you're just trying to thumb your nose at me and more, you're questioning. And you're trying, you don't think I'm always right. And that's a little scary to a 10-year-old because the world, if mom and dad aren't always right, the world was safe when mom and dad were always right. If mom and dad aren't always right, that's scary. And to be able to have those kind of conversations and open that space, I think is huge. Yeah, because I think it's, because I've seen it even with my, my five-year-old where like they say comments like, you know, I don't, I don't want to get bigger. I don't, I don't want to be older. Yeah. And like you hear that conversation, it's like, what? What came through your mind as you're feeling that that made you go, I don't want to get older or like that? Was it something that you see that we have to deal with? Is it something that you see we have to experience? And like you said, I mean, I think kids for I mean, I think adults forget that those moments of change are just as scary for them, because what what happens is that they see these moments of these moments of rebellion as like, hey, you're trying to go against me. No, sometimes it's just, it can be a cry for help. It can be a need to understand a need to like have someone to help them to grow. Like it's not, it's not all those things. Cause these kids are not, like I said, they're not robots. Like they're, they're feeling these things and you've had time to learn about these things as an adult. And we, that's why we're there to help give them these tools that we didn't have or the tools that we've gotten over time. You know, so yeah, I think that's good. So another part of this movie that I think is the messy part about having teenagers uh, is uh, there's this friend group that uh, May Lynn starts to become more attached to in that their influence is almost stronger. And I think that's kind of what the controversy of this movie is, is the influence of these other teenagers who are really kind of like encouraging her to rebel and to do her own thing and how scary that is to the mom who just outright is like, I don't like them. I don't want you hanging out with them. They're not good people. Um, and this is a natural part of growing up that your friends become a bigger influence, uh, than, than your parents. And when you are still in the, I'm going to control you phase, you honestly sometimes push so hard, you push them into these friendships more. And so Sawyer, can you talk to a little bit, um, as somebody who was most recently a teenager, not someone who has a teenage child, but most recently a teenager about, uh, you know, and, and has worked in youth ministry and worked with parents and students on this. Um, how do you see this movie being able to help parents have the conversations about your friends? What you need to understand is when a, when a teenager especially receives that affirmation from someone, that person or those people become their people. Okay. And so, you know, for stating the obvious, you should be loving and affirming your teenager and stuff like that. Um, because they, they, 
they live in a world that doesn't do that to them all that often. It's, and, and it's important that they get that from the right people. Um, and so just stating that obvious part, the, the less obvious part is, and, and this is something that I will admit my, I have a, an, a, an extra leg up. My parents were very good at this, um, both when I was in high school and like I was always welcome to bring friends home from college and stuff like that. Um, my parents wanted to know my friends, not because they wanted to know what trouble I was up to, but they just wanted to know who was influencing me. And they wanted to show love to them as well, to be like, hey, we're on all of your guys' side. Like, we love you guys. We're praying for you guys. That is something that is that will be such an instrumental help to your teenager and their development and their trust of you. When they see that you not only love and accept them, but love and accept the people that love and accept them. Like when, when you create an ecosystem of love for your teenager, that they will flourish. I promise you that maybe not in the ways that you like necessarily like want them to flourish, but I like they will, they will at the very least have direction in their life and stuff like that. I I've seen kids struggle, but when they have that ecosystem, the struggle is tampered exponentially. Okay. And, and I think that this movie understands that. Um, this is definitely one of the areas where the movie doesn't always land at a biblical point of view. So like, but there are going to be conversations to have about that. Um, that being said, the, the gist of it, I, I really love and I think, that there's a lot of really good conversation it, like that can be had in that direction of like, Hey, you just simply telling your teenager that you love them and stuff like that. That's, that's really important. Uh, and this movie gets it right. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Donnie. Cause I, I was thinking like when you said that, it's like, I was thinking about how we are, we need to be as Christ followers. Um, Cause a lot of times what happens is we can easily be siloed into a ecosystem of people that think and see everything exactly the same. And sometimes we lose that because the idea is that if you watch the way Jesus moved, Jesus didn't move with people that were always exactly like him. He moved with people that he could have influence on and to help and to love on. And that's what we want our kids to do. We want our kids to be that influence that instead of you going, hey, I don't want you hanging out with that person. That you can go, hey, we've had we've had conversations and I want you to you know take an opportunity to help to influence, to help them to understand some of the things like that's going on. Like be that influence, be that positive influence, be that positive change in your friend group, you know, yeah. because it's very easy to go, oh, don't hang with that person or don't do this. But are you setting up like like what you were saying um sawyer is like are you setting up an ecosystem that makes them a loving and affirming friend a loving and affirming like just sibling you know in all those ways and if you are that's fantastic and if you're not it's not too late to start moving in that direction because at some point like what nathan was saying earlier is that the role changes it goes from being control to being influence and you want your influence to be the influence that helps to mold them, but also for them to be able to influence those around them in a positive way to be more like what you're trying to be and be, and that's be more like Jesus. Well, and I think the way that we have to do that um, is 
and you guys have already said, I think, uh, and I remember when we did on Father's Day, we had different uh, advice um, for dads in different places. And Jason Collins, one of our teaching pastors, gave this um, advice to parents of teenagers. And he said very similar, you want to create your home to be a place of love and acceptance that a kid can come. And acceptance doesn't mean I support every decision you make. It doesn't mean I agree with every decision. It doesn't mean I affirm every decision you make. You may make decisions. I go, that's the wrong decision. Uh, that's not good. Uh, but because here's what I will say, and I, this is a slight tweak on what you said, Sawyer, is I do think they get acceptance and affirmation everywhere they go. Uh, often, yeah. Except for at home. Uh, yeah. That uh, if, if and this is just the part, and every parent needs to be aware of this, if, if every kid can find a group that will tell them, hey, you're right about everything you're thinking. Everything yes, that's you're thinking, true. Every kid can find a place, and that is the place that they'll they'll figure that's they'll go. These are my people because you're right. The place that accepts them, the place that tells them, "Hey, you're not bad or or wrong or you know for feeling this way or any of that kind of thing," that will be the place uh, where they will be accepted. And that the job of our parents, as the part of you were talking about, Donnie, about being a place of influence, is not to support every decision. That my job as a parent, as someone who loves you, is often to say. That's wrong. Don't do that. Don't yeah. go steal that car. I know you feel like it's the right thing to do. Don't go steal that car. But but to say, hey, I get it. Everyone's had rebellious thoughts. Everyone's yeah. had lustful and sexual thoughts that they're not proud of. Everyone has had um, feelings that they don't understand. And to accept that and to not make that an ugly thing or a weird thing or a bad thing and to say, hey, but let's talk about how does God want us to honor that? And like you said, Donnie, with my friends, how do I be an influence there and not let them influence me? So like I had a good conversation with one of my kids that they were playing with another kid and those kids uh, – that that kid was very disrespectful to one of their parents. I mean, just ugly and uh, rude in the way they were speaking. They were disobedient. They were telling them, nope, I'm not going to do that. And my wife, who was, who was at this thing, was able to say to um, one of my daughters, hey, do you see the way that they were kind of speaking and treating their parents? Um, I'm really proud of you that you don't do that. And then was able to say, and maybe you can help them and be an influence to them um, to make sure that that they don't they don't do that, um, and so anyway, I think all of that is a really positive thing. So, okay, so let's kind of wrap everything up here, uh, which is this. I think this is a great opportunity for parents to be able to have conversations they don't maybe feel necessarily ready to have, uh, which is uh, conversations about puberty and conversations about your body changing. And I know these are uncomfortable conversations. Luckily, I have four girls. Uh, so my wife has all those conversations. <laughs> so I'm saying all of this uh, out of out of that. Uh, but I will say this. I think same-sex parent having that conversation. So dads with boys, moms with girls, being able to have the conversation of, hey, these things are going to be, these feelings are going to come up, having conversations about Sex, having conversations about puberty, all of these kind of things are important. And it'll be younger than you think, younger than you think. Um, maybe as soon as they really start asking any kind of questions about things. Uh, but even if they're not asking questions, when you know as a parent, hey, this is going age wise is going to start happening for them. Having those conversations are important because there's a scene in this movie where the mom thinks that she has gotten her first period and goes, oh, I thought I had more time and realized oh, I didn't even explain this and now this thing has happened to her and it's terrifying to her. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty common experience. So this is another good op opportunity to do those things. 
and I'm really upset with Heidi that she wasn't on here to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get to lightning round. What are the final things that you want to uh, you want to kind of uh, anything about this movie that you just want to say? Good things, uh, you know, thematic things. Anything that you think just is really great about this movie? Uh, Sixty seconds, Sawyer. Go. What's something you want to talk about? Uh, so again. I, I, I am a broken record forever. The vocal performances in this movie are awesome. I uh, uh, really loved them, especially from the mom. Sandra Oh is the actress. She's from Grey's Anatomy, I think. No, she from Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. I, I've never yeah. seen it. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy, but I've always loved Sandra Oh. Okay? I like to just throw out bits of information I have no relevance for. <laughs> well... <laughs> But Sandra, oh, but, her last name is OH. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She's no. gonna say stuff. No, she's really good in killing Eve, is the thing. Okay. That's the other show. That's like what I know her most. Perhaps from, that's what you should have said. <laughs> very true, very true. I just know most people have seen anyway. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Sandra O oh is really great in this movie as uh May Lynn's mom. Uh also, literally any scene when May Lynn turns into the red panda is just an awesome scene. There's action stuff surrounded with it. There's like heartfelt stuff surrounded with it. There's funny stuff. It's always awesome whenever the red panda is on screen. Um, so I, I just love those two aspects. They were always, those were the two most fun aspects of the movie for me. All right, Donnie, what about you? 60 seconds. I mean, I think in short, like it just goes to like, don't don't be so afraid to like when you see a movie that may have a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation. Sometimes it's OK to lean into that conversation, because I think as parents, we get lost in the idea of we just want to wait till it's the perfect time. And we don't know when the perfect time is and like the conversations need to be had beforehand, because as, as parents, that's what our job is. We're helping to develop and help them to understand the world around them. And to make them wise so that they can make wise decisions going forward. So, I mean, yes, I'm sure there are people that may have different opinions that go from all over the spectrum of things. But at the end of the day, the conversations are going to need to be had. So it can either be you, the influence that has the conversation as the parent, or it can be someone else. Because yeah. either way, someone's going to have that conversation. And please don't let it be someone else. Let it yeah. be you. Yeah, you don't want the first conversation about sex or puberty or adolescence to be their other friend who knows nothing about it <laughs> because all the terrible things I learned just in my head. But luckily, my parents had conversations and I look just would look at my friends and they'd say something about sex and I'd go, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's not at all. That's not at all how that works. Uh, and it's just very beneficial, whereas my friends just believed it because they had an older brother or or an older friend who told them something and they didn't know what they were talking about. And so I agree with you, Donnie. I do think whether whether this movie accurately hits on it or not, what we as parents want to say is we want to create a home of trust and acceptance and love. And the only way to do that is to have those conversations, uh, to give them uh, the space to be able to question you, to question things, to question their faith. There's a scene in this movie where they talk about because um, they are uh, Chinese immigrants to Canada and the faith that they brought over was ancestor worship and not, and they say, we don't worship a God, we worship ancestors. And my kids even said to me, so there are people who don't worship God. And it was a great opportunity to say, yeah, not everyone believes like we do. And here's why we can have faith that God is real and how we can have faith that uh, Jesus loves us no matter what. And that these 
these people who don't agree with that. We still have to love and accept them, uh, and we want to show them God's love, which isn't to control them and try and force them to believe what we do. Those are messy conversations, but this movie is all about messiness. And so we hope you have some great messy conversations around this. uh, And we will see you next time on the Family Movie Night podcast, where we hope you will have better conversations that lead your children to love Jesus and his way of life even more.